microphone check one two what is this the five foot assassin with the roughneck business i flow like gravity never had a cavity got more rhymes than the wine has got family no need to sweat arsenio to gain some type of fame always do the same styles upon styles upon styles is what i have you want to diss the fightful but you still don't know the half you're listening to hood talks and this is a crazy hood exclusive, exclusive. What's up, y'all? This is Cookbook, a.k.a. Jason Soto. Jason Soto up here is the hottest album of 2019. You better check it out. But in the meantime, you're listening to Hood Talks with my main man, Jay Havana. In this episode of Hood Talks, we welcome hip-hop recording artist, Cookbook. Cook started his career as a member of the Christian rap group, L.A. Symphony, and working with producers like Prince Paul and Will I Am, just to name a few. As the group evolved, Cookbook and other members of the group developed as solo artists. Throughout his career, Cookbook has released multiple solo and collaborative projects. His latest solo album, also being his last, titled Jason Soto Was Here. Throughout his career, Cookbook has had success reinventing himself, originally creating the podcast titled Really Though. Cookbook has found new success creating and hosting the hit podcast Felipe's Garage. Originally, the podcast was hosted by Cook and longtime friend Merce. However, as of season two, Merce has since taken a break from the podcast world to focus on his music, which left Cookbook with the duty and ability to yet again reinvent his platform. Now in season two, Felipe's Garage has brought on additional co-hosts with E. Green, King Doctor, and Nesto and have been killing it, releasing weekly episodes and expanding the brand of Felipe's Garage. In the midst of this transformation, Cookbook has been able to juggle a life between parenting, podcaster, recording artist, and jogger man. Our episode was recorded shortly after his album, Jason Soto Was Here, was completed. After some minor pushbacks, the album is finally out Here's my conversation with Jason Soto, also known as Cookbook. First of all, first of all, congratulations on uh, the success of Felipe's Garage and podcasting in general, man, for you guys. So that's yeah, major, man. huge. Yeah, it's been really good, man. It's, it's uh. It's a pleasure doing it with Merce. He's a good dude, and he uh, he's real committed to it as well. So it makes it fun, and mm-hmm. it's, it's really kind of blowing up, man. I, I knew it would. And I had to convince him. <laughs> and once he saw, he he didn't want he didn't want to listen to me, but he went and talked to Gary V. You know that entrepreneur yep. Gary V. Mm-hmm. And Gary V. Told him that he should have podcasts. I was like, well, what about what Cookbook has been telling you for six months? And uh, so we. We had done one episode and then he came back and um, and said, all right, let's do this. So like, it was like episode one and then like four months and then we started every week after that. Very dope. Once Gary V told him it was a good idea. And see, me, I, I'm right. Me and Gary V, man, great minds. <laughs> there you <life>. go. <laughs> uh, we'll, get into, we'll get into Felipe's Garage and podcasting a little more, but I want to start from the beginning with you. You know, give people yeah. a little bit of background information on you and... You know, uh, tell your story a little bit. Um, at what yeah. at, at what age did you start rapping? 
Jeez, I started rapping while I was still in school. Okay. Probably uh, like middle school, I would say. And um, yeah, but I've always been doing music my whole life. Growing up, all our backyard barbecues and all the parties we had, like the family parties, we never had like a radio on. We never had a DJ, nothing like that. It was always us mm. providing the music for us. So it was always like my dad and all his homies and his like his like brothers and stuff like playing guitar and singing and you know later on there'd be like drums or like congos there or whatever like and it just became you know it was always that so i grew up singing doing oldies salsa you know jazz everything that my dad was into so i was like a weird little kid you know i started playing piano when i was nine wow and i used to tell people i want to play the blues they would look at me like a nine-year-old kid you want to play the blues that's weird but it was because of my pops you know he I was, I was listening to salsa, jazz, oldies, blues, like all of this type of music. And I was singing it. I was performing it already, like in backyards and stuff. But when it came time for me to do my music, even though I played the piano, you know, it was hip hop. We were raised in hip hop. Yeah. It's what I did. It's what I loved. And, and it was just a natural progression for me to do that instead of like sing the blues or whatever, right. you know? Was your dad uh, <laughs> a professional musician? No, he, um, I think he aspired to be one, you know, he used to take like music classes in college and, you know, he always played and he was the type of dude that was a natural though, like you'd hand him any instrument, I don't care what kind it is, and like within 20 minutes he could be playing something with it, it might not be the best thing you ever heard, but he was, he could play it, he just had that type of, uh, musical energy, I guess, and so, um, I, I honestly believe like a big part of my, my drive and my motivation now, I know it's him, but I also believe it's like, you know, he was so proud when I started doing music professionally. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of like a little way of him fulfilling his dream through me, you know? Right. So it's always kind of been in my mind and helped like motivate me and keep me going when I wanted to quit, you know, stuff like that. That's dope. What about your mom? Was she uh, into music like your dad was? Oh, man, she was into listening to music. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had kind of poke fun of my mom because she's not like... Like, she loves to try to sing, but, like, uh, you know, she got kind of, like, a gravelly, like, not-so-great voice. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she, she loves music, you know, but she's just not... I didn't get my music from, from her side, let's put it that way. Right. Options. Like, it was just, you know, all through his blood, it just all... I got it all from him. When you started rapping uh, more seriously, and uh, you, yeah. want, you wanted to really, you know, do something with it, who were some yeah. of your early inspirations? Uh, well, musically, like 100%, like if you heard me when I first started rapping, mm-hmm. 100% you would hear a combination of three hip-hop entities. You would hear Gangstar, you would hear P-Rock and Seal Smooth, and you would hear Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. Clearly. I would rap like Guru, CL Smooth, and Jujin. Like inflections and like... like Stuff like run my own business, like my aunt Joyce. Like I would do stuff like that, like you know, da 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 da, bop 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 bop, like CL Smooth or like Guru would be like, check the star when I bust, lust after the must, it must. Like I would do all those things. My favorite part of rhyming is like the flow and the and the cadence and, and doing patterns. Mm-hmm. So not too long after I started rhyming, you know, I wasn't great at it yet. I was getting, you know, just chipping away. I discovered uh, Freestyle Fellowship. And I don't know if you know who that is, but I mean, they they pretty much created like that whole West Coast chopping sound, chopping it up, rapping fast, patterns. They were real abstract. They were real like adventurous, and they would try like really wild styles. And 
Um, I just fell in love with that as well. So for a while, I was really heavily on the West Coast way. That's kind of where um, Merce comes into play too. Like we're all in school, we are all just getting heavily into like Freestyle Fellowship, Project Blow, just the whole West Coast movement. Right. And so, yeah, we, we weren't, you know, we I, I wasn't the best at it, but I was got really into like, at the time I was heavily influenced by the guys I was around. So I, I didn't even rap like oh. myself. Like I... I didn't rap how my voice sounds right now. I would try to sound like them. Yeah. It's kind of like these weird abstract white kids or like whatever, like different mixed kids, but we just sound kind of wild, like rapping fast, like right. laser, but I'm on laser, just down the mushrooms, just talking weird shit, but you know, yeah, yeah. it's part of the growth, growth you know, like yeah. trying to discover yeah. who I am and what my style is. You made an interesting point um, as an artist when you first start, you know, rapping and you start developing your own sound. You kind of do sound like the people uh, that you are um, that inspire you or the people that you are around. So and, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's sure. that's one of the it's part of the growth, like you said. And it helps you really develop into your own style because you, you take a little bit of the things that you love, that you enjoy about those certain styles. And then you remove the ones that you're like, you know what? I, I can't I, that's not really me with yeah. certain things and then you start developing your own sound so that's that's dope absolutely yes as you grow too as you grow too you learn how to do it on purpose right. you know they say creativity is the the art of hiding your sources mm. so all there's nothing new under the sun right yeah. and the crazy thing is like I'll, I'll approach songs and i'll say like this beat reminds me of like i'll pull like the craziest references it'll be like you know uh I don't know, I'll be like, this beat reminds me of like Q-Tip mixed with like Fat Joe and like Twista or something. Just some wild combination. I don't even know where I get it from. And I'll pull from those three sources for whatever reason, whatever the beat's reminding me of. Mm -hmm. And I know how to trust myself now because I've written so much music that I know if I say I'm going to write a verse like some something that inspires me from certain songs or certain artist mm -hmm. it's still gonna come out me like I could try to emulate and and just do an exact carbon copy and it, at the end of the day when I write my verse and when I spit it it's gonna sound like me right. you know you might hear an inspiration or two here or there but like I've, I've learned how to like utilize that and just let let them inspire me or pull from something that they do mm -hmm. and it, I know it's gonna be me at the end of it, you know, it'll still be me doing my thing. L.A. Symphony, composition number one, your first album as a group. 2019 marks the 20-year anniversary, correct? Yep, it dropped in 1999, so here we are, 2019. It's actually 20-year anniversary of that album. Wow. Crazy. You guys planning to do just... anything? Man, everybody's asking us that, and we, we didn't make any plans <laughs> you know we we did a big thing at the 15 year anniversary we did another record mm -hmm. and we did a like a big giveaway like you remember when DLL Soul just gave all their records away for free right yeah um, a few years well we just totally bit that idea we're like let's for the 15 year anniversary we're gonna make a new record and we'll give all of our old records away for free Dope. and we did it and there's one record that's um owned by Warner Brothers but and we're like well, hopefully nothing happens with that you know like <laughs> nobody comes after us and I, I, I don't even think Warner Brothers knows they own it uh, they're like I mean, we could probably do whatever we want with that record right. but uh, one of the one of the little indie 
labels that we were on at one point tried to sweat us for that. Like, you guys put that up for free. We're like, really, dog? Are you guys, re- are these flying off the shelves like hotcakes right now? Like, right. really going to sweat us over like a few thousand dollars? Get out of here, man. Come on. <laughs> don't at, don't at, don't at me, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, but, but we did drop, like, you know, a, on the 15th anniversary, which was 2014, we dropped a new album and it was called You Still on Earth? Like a question mark, like, you yeah. still on Earth? Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, y'all guys still around? And I'm super proud of that album. Like, when people ask me what we're doing for the 20th, I just say, go listen to that album, because a lot of people kind of miss that. It came out at the end of the year. It was, like, kind of under the radar. But, man, I'd honestly say that's probably the best-selling symphony record we've ever done. It's really good, man. I'm so proud of that record. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great record. going through you guys' uh, discography it it's to me I, I'm gonna have to agree with you I think it's the best one but yeah. that's it's bold to say that too because you guys have a lot of great yeah. records man thank you man I, yeah. I, I'm proud of everything I did with LA Symphony man it was like boot camp for, for this rap shit it was like yeah. boot, like tr- the training ground for you know my solo career everything like it, it was everything to me those are my brothers it's like going to war and coming back and like you're forever late to those dudes like I don't care where Joe the Jerk is or Serene Palms or anybody is on the planet like you know you you see them like you haven't seen them in a long time it's like no time has passed like those are your brothers you get in a van and you tour with these fools like you ain't just friends no more dude (laughs) I'm telling you man so um but yeah I definitely I cherish those times and yeah I'm proud of we got to do some real monumental stuff so I'm proud yeah. of all that even like early on um, as a group you guys worked with like super established engineers and producers like Mario C yeah. Prince Paul and even Will I Am um, is there something oh, yeah. is there something you learned from them maybe like a technique or advice that stuck with you until this day yeah yeah uh, uh, let's go over each one cool uh, who did you mention Mario C okay, Mario C Mm-hmm. Mario C. No, um, for Beastie Boys, Paul's Beastie Boutique. Boys, yeah. Exactly. So we got in the studio with him, um, and he first thing he did was re- he remixed one of our songs, and we we're dealing with a lot of sample credits and I mean sample clearances and stuff with mm-hmm. um, with uh, the back then. So he remixed one. I guess he took the samples out or whatever. Anyway, he had us all come to the crib and like re-record all our vocals. Right. Well, at the time. I was rapping like, uh, like I'd be like, I don't know, like, you know how we do really high pitch with my crew every single, you know, and I was just, that was just how I rapped, right? Yes. And when he got me in the booth, he, you know, um, I, I, I went to do my verse. Where I stay, it's real close to L. And he was like, hey, hey, he's like, go, go in a lower tone. And I'd be like, where I stay? He's like, no, no, lower, 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 lower. And he kept pushing me down lower. And uh, I, this is my thought. Like, at first, I was real resistant to it. I remember thinking, man, this dude got me sounding like fucking Ice-T, man. I felt, <laughs> I felt like I sounded like Ice-T. Like, right. yo, uh, you know, <laughs> how, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, but he had me low, like, where I stay, it's real close to L.A. You know, and, I, and it felt so weird. But then the outcome, the product sounds great. And, and it taught me, like, to, that I could do low tones, high tones. Like, I didn't have to rap one tone. Wow. Like I could do different things And he taught me that On um, Prince Paul I, I was Somehow ended up Like the liaison Between him And like the group So You know At the time We were tr- 
figuring out like we wanted these big smash songs you know the record labels like we want a big you know a, a big song that we can do big videos blah 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 and here we are with prince paul I and mean, prince paul is like who he is very original very you know mm-hmm. eclectic he's done a lot of amazing work mm-hmm. he sends out he sends out a a, a beat tape it was a cassette dude we're talking about year 2000 Damn. so he sent me a cassette tape i listened to the beats and I, I don't even think i played the beats for the other homies yet and i hit him back and i was like I, I said some dumb question like I don't know if it was like do you have anything more mainstream or I, I didn't I, I don't know how I said it mm-hmm. but it was sort of let's just say along the lines of like saying and he's like well dog I don't I don't know that I really do that or whatever and I was like well I think that's what they're looking for and I think he tried to make some kind of beats or whatever and then uh, you know I played the original cassette for all the homies and they jumped all over like what ended up becoming broken now mm-hmm. and I always thought it was a fi- I always thought it was a really dope beat but I just you know, I tried to assume like what the homies would like, and also tried to like, like I, you know, he is who he is, and he's original. And I, right. who am I to be like, yo, you got something a little hotter? <laughs> it's like, what? You tell Paul, yo, come on, man. You don't tell Prince Paul you got something hotter. Get out of here. But I like what I learned from that situation. One is that like, yo, you know. <laughs> To be you, like to always do you. Like he's like, no, nah, I don't, I don't do that. I do this, and and yeah. you know, if you're going to Prince Paul, you're going to him for what he does. If you're coming to Cookbook, you're coming to me for what I do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true. And we can be versatile within what we do, and I can do a lot of style of beats. Let's say, like me personally, but you know, I still gotta. You're coming to me because you want something that I do. Right. That I'm great at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that was what I kind of learned from that. Like you know, from him, like you know. He stuck to his guns and he was like, nah, I don't really do that. <laughs> and um, they, and he and he was right. He had made this beat specifically for us. And I was like, I don't know about that. And all the homies loved it. And it was like, he is the producer. He knows, like, right. he listened to us, what we did before. And he goes, this is the type of beat that they would be dope on. And it ended up being such a dope song. Yeah. And here's a little, here's a little known fact that people don't know. Maybe this is what we'll do for the 20th anniversary. We, we shot a really dope, dope video to that song. It's called Broken Now. It's, I mean, I had a broken leg at the time and I'm in the video with a broken leg. We did all these things like, you know, it was like a kind of a sob story video where like, we're, we're like trying to, these rappers trying to like make ends meet while we try to make it and spray out like lemonade stands and mm-hmm. like mowing lawns and like we're living homeless, like eating dog food. It's a great video. Mm-hmm. And, I think one of the homies has it somewhere on a like VHS tape. Like, so maybe we'll have to bring that up for 20th anniversary, cool. get it digitized and put it out, man. It's like a little exclusive. Yeah, that's awesome. And what about Will I Am? Will I Am has taught me the greatest lessons that um, that I've taken not only into my own career, but I, I, I coach and, and do consultations with um, with people. It's, it's another business that I have like uh, that I make money from I mm-hmm. have little coaching courses and different things that I do and one of the biggest lessons I've learned that I that I work with for myself and with other people came from Will I Am and it has to do with goal setting and having a vision for your life and for your career and really understanding uh, what it is the, the main question I ask when I start and this came directly from Will I Am mm-hmm. when I if you come to me Jay and you say I want you to coach me. The first question I'm going to ask you is, what do you want? Mm. 
And that sounds like a simple question, but it's not. It, it's, it needs a specific answer. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that answer, then that's the beginning of the work. So in the year 2000, I didn't know that answer. LA Simmons didn't really know that answer. And so we got the results of not being clear on that answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we were in the studio with Will I Am, and he started talking to us. And so I remember he he turned to me and he goes, "All right, what do you what do you guys want? Like, what do you what do you want? What do you want to see happen here?" And our answer was like, "Yo, we want to blow up, son. Blow, we're trying to blow up. Yeah, blow up. <laughs> yeah. And, but what does that mean, blow up? It's it it means nothing. You know what I mean? Like, there's no specifics to it. There's no start point no end point no like how do you know when you blew up like how do you know what's blow up to this guy compared to this guy in the same group you know right. all of those things we, we just were too young we didn't you know we, we got the record deal right out of school we didn't understand it but he was trying to put us on to game mm. and so we were talking about it we're just yeah blow up oh, you didn't do this you know and then I said well okay what do you want out of this and then he like leaned in, we're in the studio, he just leans in on the chair and he says, I'll tell you exactly what I want. I want to make a hundred million dollars off of music. And then after that, I don't care, I'm just going to do whatever I want. But as far as this music goes, I'm going to make a hundred million dollars. Mm. They clearly told me. And then if you look at the trajectory of Will I Am, it's very clear that he did just that. You know what I mean? He went out and, you know, whether you like whether people like what he did musically or not, I think the world spoke greater than like the underground rap dudes who were mad at like the direction they went. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was clear, he, he had monetary goals and he knew how to reach them. So all right, I'm gonna add the girl to the group. We're gonna make more world type of songs versus just like LA songs. We're right. gonna make dance songs because we, you know, we're dancers, we like dancing. I love all types of styles of music. And, he, and I mean, if you look at that dude's production credits and all the things he's done, and then now you look at you know, the tech world, the things that he's into, it's like, he he reached that goal a long time ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the reason why he reached it is because he knew where he was going way back then. And I don't know who taught him that, but he taught me that. Mm. And I, I put it to people like this, like if, if we're going to go on a vacation, um, we don't just get in the car and just go like, where are we going? We're going on vacation, yeah! Right. That's not how it works. Right. We say, hey, we're going to Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, so if we're going to Phoenix, Arizona, we got to get up the 10 E's. We got to do, you know, it takes about six hours. You know, you can make a plan when you know where you're going. But when you don't know where you're going, how do you make a plan for that? And that's sure. where, where we were at. We were kind of running the earth, excited. We had momentum. We had a lot of, like, people behind us that believed in us. We had the fan base that was getting excited about us. But I don't think we were really, really, really clear on the vision and and had clear goals that we all agreed upon that this is what this group is going for and so dude even in that but we, we made a lot we, we have many many six-figure years we traveled the world i mean i can't tell you how many times we toured america big shows fest. we got, achieved a lot but we didn't achieve i think what we ultimately wanted to and didn't set ourselves up the way we would have wanted to because we just weren't clear on the vision mm. on on the goals that it, and, and the steps that it would take to reach those goals and to see that vision through. And, and we had a vision statement, but it, was, it, it just wasn't specific. We didn't understand how to really dig down and say, these are the exact things. And why? Why do you want it? You know, yeah. how is this going to make you feel? How, how are you going to feel when you achieve this? You know, because all of those things matter to keep you going when, when the work is just kind of drudgery. When it's not like 
um, fun. You know what I mean? When you have to stay up till 4.30 in the morning like I did last night. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that part's not that fun when you're just sitting in front of a computer screen. Yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, and, you're, and you're getting glitches and, you know, Pro Tools shuts down. You got to open it up and fix the stuff that just got messed up. And, you know, you got to know why you're doing that. And you got to really feel passionate about that why. Otherwise, you won't do it. And that's what I learned from Will I Am. I know it's a big answer, but that's why I saved him for last. Because truly, if, you know, if, if, if anybody can take anything away like game, like mm-hmm. from me, that's what I would tell them. But I always tell them that will I am lessons. Like, know your why, and and you got to be passionate about that why. You got to really know what you want, why you want it, and and that'll you know the rest can kind of will come because your heart and your mind will want it so bad that you know your your subconscious mind will go go to work on your behalf. You'll you'll start mm-hmm. coming up with ideas and things that just seem to pop out of nowhere like oh I can do this oh you know because you're clear on what you want and you're passionate about it mm-hmm. then you know the, the how comes later but you gotta have the why first it's true true right. so let's go into yeah. um, Christian rap alright LA Symphony being a Christian rap group were there yep. any types of challenges you guys faced from now this is a three part A the hip-hop community b the media and c the public whether they were fans of christian rap or not uh d all of the above wow (laughs) (laughs) so you got to remember like we put our first we you know this is our 20th anniversary we're doing it in 1999 when there was groups there was definitely groups before us Mm mm-hmm but nobody, and you can you can look in the history books, bro. You can do Google me, bro. Do your Google, son. Do your Google. Google me. There was nobody. There was nobody before us that attempted to do what we did, which was see when we were when we were kids, we were going to events and we were out here. We weren't we weren't rapping in the church. If you if you ask Pigeon John what he was doing, he was going to the Good Life Cafe. Mm. He was go- we started going to Project Blow. We were in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. And we were in the mix at a time when, like, especially, like, Christian rap. You're like, fuck out of here with that. And Christian rap, you know what I mean? It was like, and, and truly, our vision was not to be a Christian rap group. Right. We just wanted to be a dope-ass rap group. Mm-hmm. But because we were Christian, we were always going to allow that to shine through us. That was our that was our our mission, mm-hmm. and uh, so we start getting in the mix. Truthfully, the biggest hate we got was from Christians. Mm. It wasn't from like just the average hip hop listener or the media. It was Christians hating on us because we didn't fit into their Christian box because we didn't do Christian music. We didn't our our rap songs right. weren't like Praise Jesus. Let's get to the church. We were right. just rapping about. We were either doing like battle rap style raps. We were doing like everyday life stuff. Like if I feel happy, I'm a rap about it. If I feel sad, if I feel angry, whatever. We broke up with a girl. We rap about that. Mm-hmm. So we were doing that, and so we were very like accessible to the average hip hop listener, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But we were not what the Christian market was used to. There, there was nothing like us at the time. Nobody was doing that. Everybody mm-hmm. was like quoting Bible scriptures and, and right, doing something yeah. different, you know? Yeah. So we were going to the church and, and they wouldn't know what to do with us. Like we started doing church shows and it was kind of bizarre for us because like, 
you know, it was, it felt kind of like propaganda to us. Like, oh, you guys are the cool Christian, like, cool guys that we heard about how mm-hmm. that you're out there like rapping in clubs and stuff that so we're gonna bring you in here to get the cool factor to get the kids to come kind of like a conveyor belt just get them you know and I, i'm sure they were more sincere than that that sounds pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> but, it would feel, but it would feel like that at times with us and we're like man you know um but the media you know it would, it would be a topic like i remember having a publicist at the time mm-hmm. and like him kind of like oh, hopefully we can kind of dip around that question and this not the other and we wouldn't like shy away from it but we wouldn't be like we, we weren't like wearing it as a badge of honor like up front like we weren't a ministry we weren't trying to mm-hmm. save souls we were right. just trying to be us yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so that's why we got the most hate from I'd say like uh, I'd say uh, from the Christian market but I will say this going back to the, the question about vision mm-hmm. and knowing what you want and being clear on what you want Here's a, an area that might have been our downfall, and that was we were not clear on what we wanted. Like, mm-hmm. we we said we were clear. We, we wanted a regular rap career. Like, when we got signed to our, our big record deal, um, the, the president of that record company at the time, it was Squint, Squint Records, mm-hmm. said, I, I want to make you guys the next outcast. And that sentence alone made me want to sign with them because... First of all, Outkast was my absolute favorite rap group at the time. It may mm-hmm. still be my one of my all-time favorite rap groups. And that's the exact type of career I wanted. Like, we all wanted. We wanted to make the type of music we make and still have big hits. Like, they never sounded like anybody else, but they still smashed. So mm-hmm. to us, it's like, oh, you know. But it, the label that we signed to technically was a Christian label. Mm-hmm. And I say technically because they were doing the same thing that we wanted to do. Like, they were just making dope music and they weren't pushing it to the church. They were pushing it to just regular, like they had platinum selling artists that were like songs and movie soundtracks and big stuff, you know what I mean? And it just didn't feel like, you know, we're we're signing on to do Jesus rap. So we signed with him. The thing is, is that um, he was a a former, very popular um, Christian rock musician in the 80s. So he got called to do this speech in these like youth group leader conventions, right? Mm-hmm. And he brought us to rap. He brought us to rap at those conventions and said like, you can be Christian and be relevant in the world. You don't have to be corny. He was kind of using us as like this, like shining example of, you know, you don't have to be like preaching the Bible all the time. You can just do great music and just right. like, let, let you, okay. So what happened with that is we rapped in front of about between those three events, we probably wrapped in front of 15, 20,000 youth pastors. Wow. So guess what type of shows started rolling? Well, Christian rap shows? All, yeah. And the money was so good. I'm, I, well, when I tell you, I mean, to, the difference between getting paid at a club and getting paid from these church shows that were rolling in was crazy. I mean, we'd wow. be at a club, like, you know, make a few hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks, mm-hmm. have a, you know shitty hotel room and then the next night we're like in this penthouse apartment you know getting with gift baskets in the room and like thousands of dollars at this big festival it was just like so it was hard not to take the money but the problem is is that we we didn't have that strong vision like i told you we didn't have that Mm -hmm. clear like no we want to to do this type of music in this type Mm -hmm. of scenario so we tried to do oh we could do both we could be like you know doing the church show and now we'll, we'll be the first guy to you know but you know what um that's 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 two different visions right yeah. and the 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 duh 
in division means two. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Division. So, duh, you can't do two things at once, right? right. And so what we did was we, we killed all our cred in the, in the, um, and it's just the general market, just the hip hop community. Mm -hmm. Like every time they looked at our tour schedule, like started being more than half was like, you know, this church here, this, you know, like, yeah, so yeah. we kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Like we, we took money that we were getting. And it's the only thing that kept us alive during that time too, because we got into that industry, like classic industry story where like, um, we, our record label got sold to Warner Brothers. That's that record I said that Warner Brothers owns. Mm -hmm. And we got sold to Warner Brothers, like illegally. Like our contract said you can't sign, sell us to anybody without our written consent. But we spent a year and a half fighting our way out of a record deal. And we were touring all that time off Buzz alone. And off the, the foundation that that dude laid with those all those youth pastors. Wow. Like if we didn't have that money, we wouldn't have survived as a group. So it was a real catch-22. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you know, do two things at once. You got to build... Like, I'll give you an example, and then we can move on. Mm -hmm. um, Lecrae. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of fools are like, well, Lecrae did it, Lecrae did it. No, he didn't. No, he did not. He was one-minded. He was a Christian rapper. Mm -hmm. Clearly. 100%. And he blew up so big in the Christian market that Static Selector said, damn, fool, like, who is this Lecrae guy? Why is he number one on iTunes this week? And I've never heard of him. Mm -hmm. And then he reached out to him and brought him over. And then DJ Drama and everything started happening. But that dude's a Christian rapper. Right. Clearly, that's what he does. You know what I'm saying? And, and then he, stuck he to the had these moments. Yep. Yeah, he stuck to one vision. And that's how you have to do. You have to really, you know, yeah. you have to build. And then when you get options later. But we thought we could do both. And, and yeah. we could kind of, in the end, like, kill build yeah. a good momentum and shot ourselves yeah you really got to stick to that build that foundation make sure it's solid and then branch out from there because it absolutely yeah for sure for sure yeah. and i know you, you've spoken a little bit about this uh felipe's garage but for our listeners yeah. um do you still consider yourself a christian rapper no not even a little bit okay and to be honest with you, I mean, this is a, this is a longer answer, so I won't even get into this. But I, I don't even <laughs> consider myself a Christian anymore. You, you know you. what I'm saying? But that's let's not even go down that road. That's right. a whole other podcast. That's a whole yeah know? episode two, <laughs> part two. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yo, what's up? This is Jay Havana. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts in our network. Podcasts like Family Ties, Fatherhoods, Bars and Buckets, Dream Big Hip Hop, Lost in Translation and Drink Champs, available on all digital platforms and crazyhood.com. Now let's get back to my conversation with Cookbook, a.k.a. Jason Soto. All right, let's go into uh, podcasting a little bit. All right, so prior to Felipe's Garage, you created the Really Though podcast, and you actually had, you had EFN on there. Um, oh, man, it was an honor. Dude, what's crazy is, so the... So I've been working for him for a couple of years. The first time I actually met him was the day after you guys recorded that podcast episode. Oh, nice. Yep. Well, the first day I met him was when I recorded that podcast. Boom. I him, like texting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I think it was really dope, like how, just how we all, you know, you guys, Crazy Hood and everybody has connected because, you know, he was homies with Hydro and yeah. like, you know, his girl was like a big LA Symphony fan back in the day, and mm. she knew Hydro. Like, I didn't even know she knew Hydro, and 
like red cloud and a lot of people that I knew. And I, but I just knew she, she always followed us. So I, I just reached out. I said, you know, I'm gonna go for it. Like, hey, yeah. do you think your boyfriend would be on my podcast? And like, honestly, like, shout out to her, man. She, she hooked it up for me. She was shout like, out to Karina, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, Karina was like, uh, she's gonna do it. Don't worry. Like, she kind of hooked me up, man. I was like, oh, this is great. Then come to find out, like, you know, he's homies with Merce. Like, oh, that's my homeboy. Like, you know, oh, the, the circle was like, it was, just, it was just a cool thing, you know. Full circle, man. That's dope. Yeah. Um, so how did the idea of Felipe's uh, garage come about? Okay, so it came from doing Really Though. And mm-hmm. Really Though was a very, it's similar. I think Really Though is similar to what we're doing here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It was really meant to, I, I called it edutainment. Mm-hmm. To borrow from from KRS One, right. that I wanted it to be like a really fun and, and enjoyable podcast, but I really wanted to, you know, have guests on and really get into some of the stuff that you and I have talked about on this podcast today. Cool. You know, like vision, goal setting, like business thing hacks, how to do things in the industry. That it was, you know, meant to be that, and it was great, and it was it was growing, you know, and it was having um, um, moderate success. Mm-hmm. And, but I, but when I started podcasting I started becoming a fan of podcasts mm-hmm. and as I looked around I, I, I was seeing the type of podcast that had great success so I, I wanted to start another podcast that that um, was way more like entertainment focused and more about like you know TV shows or, or whatever and um, I originally wanted to start it with Pigeon John from LA Symphony because mm. him and I have a good rapport, have a good rapport. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it would be really enjoyable. But it just, you know, it just didn't work out. And it, it, he lives a little farther now. It just, it just didn't seem right. Right. So what would happen is, you know, Merce and I, like I had this idea in my back pocket for this podcast. But Merce and I, like, we're, we've always been huge fans of, like, you know, like comics and. Uh, really specifically it came from The Walking Dead like mm. I'd see him at Comic Con we'd right. be out there you know um, doing stuff and we'd always talk about Walking Dead so I would text him or call him when things happened on the show mm-hmm. right and we would almost always like we would agree but we'd disagree a lot too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and when the show got bad to me we started really disagreeing but I'd call him up and I'd have these great conversations I'm like god this is the, this is the podcast like yeah Dude, like the way we're talking right now is like people would love to hear this. So I pitched it to him. I was like, "Hey, man, like, dude, we, I have this idea for a podcast. Like, you know, I think it would be perfect. Me and you, like, just record this." Uh-huh. And so that's why the first episode's all about Walking Dead, and we kind of <laughs> get into it. And yeah. we, you know, we argued about what's good and what's not, blah blah blah. And like, that's the goal. Like, the arguments are usually the goal. You know, like not right. the arguments, but like when we start kind of getting like, getting through with each other, or whatever. It's Usually some gold comes from that, but he wasn't completely sold on the idea. He he uh, he was like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this or a different podcast mm-hmm. or whatever. But then you know, like I said, shout out to my man Gary V. He showed up and then Merce hit me up. I was like, okay, I think we need to do this podcast. The beautiful thing is, man, and shout out to Merce for this because this was not me. I had some other dumb like ideas for names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I showed up at his house that first episode. And right away he says, "What do you want to call it?" I said, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, I got an idea. I want to call it Felipe's Garage." I was like, "Really?" And wow. I was like, "Why?" He goes, "And dude, this is all him, bro." And I was like, "You know, you know, rest in peace to my pops. Uh-huh. His name was Felipe." Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "Well, man, 
you and me, our, our journey started in your dad's garage. Like, coming over, we were all in school, they'd come over to my house, in my garage, because my parents just kind of facilitated that as a young kid, you know, they helped me get equipment, and, and they really, like, mm-hmm. um, supported my my music career when I started, so, you know, that's where Merce and I kind of, like, rapped together at first, and got to know each other, and became friends. Wow. And so he said, like, I want to I wanted name it that, like, in a way to, like, honor your pops, too, and just kind of, mm-hmm. it, it's like a paying homage to how you and I began. I was like, damn, that's dope, bro. Like, that's dope. Uh, you, you try to get me, try to make me cry on the first episode, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. And then you go to The Walking you know? Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's Glenn. Or like, whatever. <laughs> like, damn, bro, what happened? That's like, that's getting emotional. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that, so that, that, that's essentially how that came. Like, I kind of identified a trend where it seemed like um, people gravitated towards these entertainment podcasts or podcasts that talk about TV shows or, you know, like, and then, you know, Merce and I have a good rapport too. And mm-hmm. it ends up we have a great rapport. Yeah. Because the people really, like, quickly started responding to it, mm-hmm. especially once we really did it weekly. Like, I kept telling him, like, he, he thought, like, one episode was just going to go, like, a million downloads. And, like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, it, podcasts are a slow growth, brother. I promise right. you gotta do a lot of episodes until it catches and then it goes. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, with, you know, Merce being who he is and, and like the support that he has, like it went quick, like thousands of downloads quick. And I was like, dude, you know, we started putting up good numbers almost immediately when we started going weekly. And, um, and yeah, it's been been great we just had our first live event that went off bro that's dope congrats yeah. on that that's great yeah. yeah man it's got great. those fire ass mechanic suits ah yes <laughs> and the story the story about them the story of how you guys oh, got them yeah, for anybody hydro. listening you have to check out the live episodes uh part one two and three and check out hydro's story of how he got those epic right yeah <laughs> what's great about it too and what, what feels good and, and why it's growing is because it's, it's not just a podcast and i would tell people that want to do podcasts out there too yeah. is, is they should try to create community yep. with the people that are listening and, and, and we've done that you know like with, with even the way we start and end the show like that happened naturally mm-hmm. organic we didn't do that on purpose but we just kind of well no Merce is good at that kind of stuff because he identified he heard me every time we started the show I would always say first of all and he goes that's the way we're gonna be he just started doing it like yeah. oh okay that's how we begin the show now yeah. and it caught and then one day I just was imitating like a car line and I went ee, 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 and he yeah. goes that's the way we end the show like he identified key things that I like I, I just did it and he's like no no that's our thing and it became our thing yep. and then you know like we're like, yo, the fans are mechanics since this is Felipe's garage. And so, like, the people feel really a part of it. And we make them, I want them to be a part of it. Like, this is a show that we do, but everyone's a part of it. Everyone's mechanics that are listeners. And, like, mm-hmm. it, it creates this really cool, like, rapport with the people yeah. and, like, loyalty, too. Like, they, they're like, nah, we're, we're with you guys. Like, even if we do a whack episode, they're like, well, whatever, we'll be, we're still here next week, you know, like, you know. <laughs> we're still here we, next you know, week bringing you whackness. Feel, <laughs> yeah, they feel close enough to us, too, to tell us, too. Yeah. We get DMs all the time, like, yo, that shit was whack this week. <laughs> all right, like, you know. All right, thanks. All right, all right, you know, it's like, all right, well, we'll try harder, man, whatever. But right. we get a lot of people, like, 
you know, interacting with us based on the stuff we talk about stuff too. So it's really cool. They send us links. They make us like, if we talk about something, get on some weird tangent, they'll go like Photoshop our pictures into something weird. Or, mm-hmm. It's really cool, man. Yeah. Like, like, you know, that, that part I love the most because I, I love interacting with people. I'm very social. Like one of the biggest things of why I do music is I love entertaining people or mm-hmm. getting in front of people and just knowing that people are really responding to what I do and what we do is, is amazing as like exactly what I want to be doing so you know that's the Felipe's garage story. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to touch a little bit more about the, the chemistry between you and Merz, and we'll go into more more uh, a little bit later. He actually spoke about, uh, you know, the first time you guys met and everything like that in the, your song Cobra Clutch. Like with his yeah. verse, he spoke about that. I remember hearing that. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's awesome. And then hearing you tell that story, it's like, wow, man, that's pretty yeah. dope it's a full circle right there even with even from the start of felipe's garage to the point when that song gets released it really, it really is it's like he wrote that verse like right after um we went and shot the video for his superhero pool party yeah nice and so it was really true that like my kid was with me and our kids were playing and you know it was just this weird kind of thing but it's funny because like i did my verse and then like he came to the studio and i recorded that verse and i was like to go like you're, you're a real you're a genius the way you write verses I said you know why because even if this verse was garbage there's no way I could get rid of it look what you just said in this verse man like <laughs> talking about my pops and how we've been homies since day one like mm-hmm. and then you talk about my kid at the end like I go you're, I go the verse is hot but like even if it was whack I, you think I'd be racing this like you're smart bro like you gotta do this he's laughing man like yeah that's funny but yeah it's, man that's a great song and ends up up the song we do on my record is like super heartfelt but yeah i love that song that's dope so as of today we're 34 episodes in um what are your some what are some of your favorite moments oh man uh my favorite moments are, are like the spontaneous like when we get on a tangent like when you come up with that like one thing in an episode and it's just so stupid and funny that it just keeps leading to more jokes, right? Right. So, obviously, like, snake dick, people love that. That, that was a hilarious <laughs> moment that just kind of emerged from, like, whatever we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Or I always like, you know, we were just talking about those stupid tan pants in the second episode. Like, I, I told some story about <laughs> a lady not wearing, like, walking in Venice Beach with no pants on. And I thought she had tan pants on. And that was so funny to me because it reminded me of like one of me and Mercer's mutual homies, Curtis King, at one of Mercer's shows. Mercer said, take your shirt off. He took his shirt off and he was wearing tan pants. <laughs> and he looked like he was naked because his skin matched his pants. And right. it's like, just, it's, it's stupid, but it's so funny to me. And you just get on these little rants like right. off of like a tiny little thing that turns into like now everyone, like the snake dick thing is, is a thing now. It's right. a hashtag. It's like, I get all these damn mechanics are always sending me the snake emoji and shit like, yeah. <laughs> uh, those, are, those are my <laughs> those are my favorite moments like we'll, we'll do an episode uh, like for example I'll, I don't know if you if you heard this episode but it was the Venom episode when, when we went to see Venom this may be maybe my all time okay. favorite moment of the podcast because you know we it was after the it was after the um, episode we are recording in my car uh-huh. like just sitting in front of Mars' house and we just got on this little tangent about Deej Loaf. 
and like how funny her song is like most gangsta ass line and then earlier in the podcast we had talked about like some white girl that tried to rap at a show that I was at and it was like an epic fail and somehow she turned into a rapper named Gluten Freak <laughs> and Gluten Freak like and Dee's Loaf like being a loaf of bread yeah. like they're bitter enemies like the Gluten Free versus like a loaf of bread and it was just so stupid but it was so funny I'm like I st- I pushed stop on the on the recorder and I said well that was there was podcast goal right there right you know because we were laughing and it was genuine and it just turned into the snowball of just ridiculous like gluten free versus like (laughs) it it just you know those type of those are my all favorite moments and that's what i love about the podcast is because him and i like we we can feed off each other and like yeah at this point we started seeing it coming like he'll say something and like i'll just tag on and he'll start tagging onto that, and then it just turns into a little thing, and then now yeah. here we are with these little lines and hashtags and little things that the mechanics say now too. And even trilogists, oh, even weird even things. even live streams of the chicken slap challenge and all that. <laughs> yeah, man, you can slap with chicken, bro. You see what I do, bro? Oh, oh. lay myself bare naked on the altar of the podcast. Like that's another line that everyone says. <laughs> but that's just the shit that we get into, and and. Uh, yeah, that ticket slap was something else. I was like, we need another gimmick like that to set this year off, man. I was like, what? what Dude, what, you can you can see the grease on your face after that slap. Oh, bro, <laughs> there was grease and little chunks of that the, of the breading. Yeah. And it, it, when I say in the video, when I say it's hot, bro, it was so hot. I bet. Because he, it just, he just bought it and he slapped me. He was we were putting it on the air conditioning in his car, trying to cool it off because it was so piping hot. <laughs> but even when he slapped it, it was still like the outside cooled up, but the, the actual chicken itself was so oh, hot. My face is all red and bumpy. Like, not, oh, man. not gonna lie my girl and i we wa- we had to rewatch it a couple of times we're like what did that really just happen <laughs> it really happened bro but you know i'm down i'm kind of that's know, cool I'm down for the wild stuff i love the antics you know and, and even that kind of stuff is my favorite stuff about the podcast too like the out this, <clears throat> the stuff we do surrounding the podcast you know, right. like the chicken slap or whatever you're like i love that kind of stuff i'm, I'm into it so. my girl she's been a fan of like she's the one that put me onto the podcast i I think i told you that when i seen you um in la and then um she we're always listening to it together and then just like when you talk about like the sense of community and stuff like that like just the conversations me and her have over the things you guys talk about or do and things like that it's 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 really cool man it's really special and it's one of those things that me and her share you know so it's like talk, yeah you know so whether like it's like debates or like man you know what i don't agree with what merce was saying or her was saying i i do agree yeah. with what he was saying or or with things yeah. that you say and things like that like it, it's pretty cool you know um and we're it, yeah essentially me and her, like me and her we're big podcast uh listeners so we listen to a variety of them but Felipe's Garage yeah. is definitely uh, one of our favorites, man. So thank you for continuing. So yeah, bro. thank you for putting that out weekly and stuff like that. And you guys do an awesome job, man. Like I remember one of the first things I told you, I was like, man, the way you put like the music behind the 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 conversations yeah. is just it's just cool because it keeps it engaging and you're like what what was that beat you know what i mean like it was like yeah. Yeah, just yeah. just simple things like that um really make the podcast what it is you know it's the little details that go yeah. behind it so 
thanks man really really do appreciate no it no doubt bro yeah man I appreciate it yeah and it, it's cool too because we it's like a little platform too that we've created yeah. again like up and coming producers so um, yeah. actually need to put a call out for, for some new beats but like we give them an opportunity we're like look you know send us your beats and, and you could get featured in an episode yeah. and we you know shout them out and, and their beats are the ones playing in the background so hopefully like the people listening to our podcast you know if there's MCs out there or singers or whatever that hears a beat wants to connect with that producer like hopefully we can be the plug for that too Yep. so it's kind of cool to be able to do that too oh for sure yeah for sure your album is titled Jason Soto Was Here explain the meaning behind the title okay so this um, and people don't believe me when I say this um, this is my final album mm. as just like a, I don't I don't know where music goes for me but as cookbook the rapper like this is my final album okay and so when I started it I, I started thinking about like what's the most meaningful things to me out of rapping since I was a kid and touring the world and and, uh, and so this word started coming up in my mind legacy Right. So I think a lot about my kids. I think about like what I leave behind for them and the example that I want to set for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, kids, kids, you know, do what you do. They don't do what you say. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I have to display for them what it means to um, become successful. And I look at my life and I, and I, and to me, it's okay for them to see me fail Mm -hmm. and to see me get back up and to see me course correct, to see me adjust, to do new things, and then to see the success happen. So they've seen me in a lot of big and little ways like, oh, wow, we, you know, I got my song in a commercial. We just made a bunch of money Mm -hmm. to like, wow, that, that video was an epic failure. You know, like I don't, I want them to see the full spectrum. That is the, the legacy I leave behind for them. Is, is what I do here and the things that I put out into the earth I love the idea of podcasting and then of course my music it, it, you know there's there is a sense of forever to it right like you know 40 50 years from now you know when I'm long gone or maybe hopefully not in 40 50 years but like yeah. let's say 100 years you know like years. my great 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 my great 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 grandkid can go like hey my pops told me about my great grandpa he used to you know no matter how much i blew up you know i didn't make 100 million like will i am but mm-hmm. but there there is a sense of significance that goes along with that legacy that right. means something to me you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like <clears throat> so like they can say like you know uh yeah my grandpa you know my great great grandpa used to do this you know there used to be this music called rap, whatever. Like, let's pull it up on whatever YouTube is going to be at that time, you know? Like, look here, check this out. And then there's there's this whole legacy. There's this whole, like, recorded history mm-hmm. of who, who I was and what I did. And now with podcasting, there's a whole other, like, side of it, too, where, like, I could be teaching lessons to my great, great, great grandkids long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I could be... It, doing the same kind of like so to me that's legacy so that was the first word that came up the second word was significance like Jason Soto was here like I mattered like what I did mattered on the planet Mm -hmm. this music shit that I did it meant something 
it doesn't matter that that I'm not a mega rap star or I'm not, you know, whatever people would com- compare and say is successful. Like, mm-hmm. I'm successful because what I did mattered and I'm significant to even a small group of people. If what I've done here musically and with my words and with whatever, if it changes even the smallest group of people's lives or makes them feel better the day they listen to that record or some I say inspires them and they go on to greatness or whatever, Mm -hmm. then like that's significant. That means something, that's success. And that too, not only with my kids, but that too is my legacy. So to me, Jason Soto was here is, is all about that. It's all about, you know, the legacy you leave behind and the significance you have. Like, uh, like my dad, has his cousin um, and remember I was born late in my dad's life so these fools are like well into their 80s you know mm-hmm. what I mean they're all you know my dad's passed away but like his cousin stuff. Right. and he's known as he's known as Louis the Boxer Puerto Rican guy from fucking uh, San, San Jose California you know Louis the Boxer yeah. our whole family knows him as that and they pull out the old clips like newspaper clippings of Louis the Boxer and he was doing great like he was on a boxing circuit and he was trucking through fools this Puerto Rican guy in, in on the west coast just bah 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 that's his legacy and no one can take that away from him like yeah. he did that there's newspaper clippings that show Louis the Boxer wow. I don't even I don't even remember this dude's last name I was <laughs> known as Louis the Boxer <clears throat> no his last name is Mol- Molina but like Great. you can look him up you can google him yeah. and like he has a gang of wins like he was a good ass boxer right. you know what I mean yeah and he, he, he didn't win the world championship and like he's not known like Muhammad Ali is but he was living off boxing he was winning fights he lost some he did real good and now he's forever Louis the Boxer so to me I look at like my life my career like that like yo man I, I, maybe I'm on Louis the Boxer level but to a certain group of people that dude's a freaking legend Yeah. and I'm trying to I'm trying to walk away like that you know what I mean like yeah you know. Well said. Um, and you mentioned your your kids, and um, your song "Brightest Star." Is that a song about your kids? It's a song about a lot of what everything we've been talking about right now. But uh-huh. it is. It, it's about um, after everything that I've been because the hook says, "Wishing on the brightest star." You know, I'm still dreaming. And that word still is significant. Mm-hmm. And it is for my kids because we go through a lot of a lot of shit in this life. We go through a lot of hell trying to make it, trying to do whatever. You know, and it's not always rosy. And like the what I've gone through in this in this music industry, in the entertainment industry, like what we've talked about today barely scratches the surface of. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like the only time you lose is when you quit. Mm. You might have to course correct. You might have to come up with new plans, new strategies. But nothing is a loss. Everything is a lesson. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wanted to say, like, even in this point in my career, like, I'm still dreaming. I still have vision. I still am excited about what can happen in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I am doing it for uh, for, for my kids. And... and, and whatever levels of success that I reach, like, I'm good. Like, I, I, I'm successful in, in all kinds of areas, you know, mm-hmm. that 
I don't even talk about in public, you know, or yeah. the, these types of things that, that I'm, you know, I'm very proud of. Um, but I am doing this stuff for them too, so that there's an example, so that when they come along, they, there's a blueprint already for them. Mm-hmm. And you know how it is, like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's gonna be easier for them because I, I might have taken some stripes that they're not gonna have to take now. Because right. they go, I saw what happened with dad, you know, like he picked up that snake and it bit him. So I know not to pick up that snake, to go around that snake and do something else. True. You know what I mean? True. And so, yeah, yeah, that is what it is about, like, holding on to, like, that excitement and that, that, uh, that vision and that, you know, you're still, you're still, uh, going for it, man. Still kind of putting your balls on the table and going for yeah. it, man. It's kind of about that too. And, and I'll tell you a real quick side note. Yeah. You know, I've been making this record for about a year, maybe even a year and a half. Okay. That song's been in existence for about maybe like seven, eight months now. Maybe wow. maybe a little longer. I'm going to say seven, eight months. I recently went through like a very personal, like tragic stuff in with my family. Mm-hmm. And um, that song became my favorite song of my new project because I would literally put that song on in the morning, I, I wake up feeling like angry about what's going on with me and hurt, sad, upset, like, and um, I would listen to that song and that, that shit would literally, like, it's my own song, it's kind of weird, but it would literally get me through it. I would listen to it and I would get like hyped up again and like, I would start feeling good again because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the meaning of that song is exactly what I needed and what I still need, you know, going through the stuff I go through, so. Yeah, man, that's a long answer, but yes, of course, it's all for my kids, man. That's that dope. song I do mention, man, talk about, you know, doing it for them. Your uh, your first single, Fine Wine, great choice yep. of a single. Elaborate. Thank you. Elaborate on the meaning of the song. Well, it's the phrase, you know, fine wine gets better with age, right? Mm-hmm. And, man, I... I it's, it might sound kind of conceited, but like I have so much confidence <laughs> in what I do, bro. Like that's good. Yeah. And I, I really, I really believe and feel, and I don't think I'm wrong that I just keep getting better at this shit, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything I do, I just keep getting better and better. Like I'm not, like I'm not falling off. Like right. I'm just turning. Like the water flows out of the faucet still. I'm literally having to just turn the faucet off because otherwise I could, I could have kept writing songs for this record forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know it sounds. It does, it is, I say it jokingly, and it is, sounds a little conceited, but it's something you believe. Um, in. I really believe. Yeah. I really believe that I'm dope at this shit. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> I really believe that like a lot of dudes can't get with me. Like, I, like you can't get me. Like, I'm good at this. Like, okay. you might be equal to me, but you're not better than me. Like, right. I'm, I'm good at this. And so I just thought of like, you know, I, I was thinking of the quote. The, the the beat got built around that quote. Mm-hmm. So I just heard that that MC like quote in my head, like better than before, as if that was possible. And and I I went and got the song and I, I chopped it up and and I just built that beat around it. And then um, uh, I, I was just listening to the Evidence record, and he he quotes her. He says that on uh, one of my favorite songs off his latest record. So I said, well, I'll just grab it for like the intro and the outro. And, um, yeah, I mean, that song is, it, it is about confidence and, and, like, it's like what Five Dog said, like, um, if I don't say I'm the best, tell me who the hell will, like, right. you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah. I am the best in my mind, 
Something. Thank um, you, I'm go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great. It, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really, really great song. A song that I thought that was very interesting as well, and credit to you because it really shows um, your your style, your uniqueness, your your ability to switch up uh, almost immediately. Is your song multiverse? So it's like yeah. seven minutes and twenty-one seconds, but no, no. no. I actually edited it down. It's, it's down to seven minutes. I think seven minutes and four seconds. <laughs> I had to find a way to edit it because it's super long. I know. But it. So it's a song, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It contains one sample. It has yeah. ten different rap styles, and it's produced yep. by by five different producers. Yep. So I had this idea. Okay. This is the second, so the first concept and like overarching theme of the record is the legacy and the significance that I right. talked about. And this kind of piggybacks off of the better than before conversation too. Okay. Um, I find myself around a lot of like real hip hop heads and these da 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 guys. And then on the flip side, I find myself around like a lot of these new cats too. And I, I just, I, I keep hearing this dead horse argument about like, no, you gotta keep it real, boom, bam, you know? Yeah. This new stuff is <laughs> whack. And then that new guy's like, we don't need to respect the elders or whatever. Right. And then I just, I'm in the middle of saying, well, I'm better than all of you guys. As if that was possible, I'm better than all of you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I wanted to, to bridge the gap between like old and new. Mm-hmm. And then I honestly, 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 Jay, I just wanted to flex on these motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going to show you guys, like, I can do it all. I can do anything you throw at me. I can do it. And so I had this idea of, like, you know, what what it eventually became Multiverse, which is, you know, getting one sample, getting five different producers to do it, like get a trap producer. Mm-hmm. Use that sample and produce it how he would. Get a classic boom bap dude. Get a, you know, like, just got... You know, it got it gets weird. No doubt that song gets weird. Like, <laughs> I, like I, my, one part of that song, and like I don't want to give it away too much for right. I want people to hear it. But one part of that song, my my actual goal was to do John Legend if he was battle rapping somebody. That's ludicrous, bro. That's ridiculous, bro. And it, it's meant like. I don't know if people will even find the humor in it because it's a pretty long song and like when they get to that part they might be taking me too serious like <laughs> that's meant to be ridiculous like that part of the song right. you know like but um, I just thought like what would John Legend sound like if he was singing but they were like sort of battle bars like that's, that's where I came from bro. but I, honestly I wanted to just flex on people and just right. go like I'm gonna I'm gonna do every style so it became this monumental like ambitious thing and it it really took it was quite an undertaking and then it was the debate like do we put the song on the record dude do i am i really going to put a seven minute song on here and i was like you know what bro like yeah i am yeah. <laughs> last record dude <laughs> i'm flexing on everybody bro you know yeah come get me bro come get me come see me i'm in la Culver city baby bro. come see me yo. i'm flexing on everybody Oh, you heavy metal? Me too. So watch what I do. <laughs> oh, you trap? Oh, watch me mumble rap better than all of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's kind of the, the 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 idea behind that song. And man, I feel like uh, we really accomplished it. And I say we because 
when I started making Multiverse, that was the point like, uh, you know, I had, I had an indie label and I had a, um, a guy, Billy Clint, he's actually, uh, he's, that's my fan, bro, like Billy Clint, he's from uh, Florida. And he has a real like, he's much younger than me, but he has a real like, true school sensibility, but he's also in, in, in the new. Like, right. He's a part of the new music as well. So he, he's like me in a lot of ways. I brought him in on that because he's a great producer. He's a he's a budding producer, and he's he's like a producer in the truth in like the Quincy Jones sense of the word producer. You know what I mean? He doesn't just he does make beats on FL Studio like all the right. other producers, but he can have a vision and orchestrate and bring in musicians and do all of this and that and the other. He actually produced the the like the rock rap part of that song, but I brought him in and he helped like executive produce the whole record with me um, from the point of multiverse on and, and like man. Like this record, it was gonna be great, but it became monumentally great once I like brought him on board. So shout out to him, bro. Um, he, he his production is getting crazy, and, and uh, like he she sends me beats. I'm like, why didn't you send? Why didn't you make this beat like eight months ago when I was writing my record, bro? Like this would have easily gone on the record. But right. Anyway, um, that's the story behind Multiverse. One one sample, five producers, ten rap styles. Don't ask me, bro. Don't ask. Your opening song, one of them that, one of the songs on your album that I enjoy the most, The Birth. Well, I don't even know if it's going to end up no. being the first one, but it's just, it's called it The Birth. Okay. The order you have, yeah, the order you have is The Order. Okay, it's okay, that, cool. That song, before it was even created, was going to be the first song. Wow. It has that so. vibe, and one of the biggest things that I got out of that song is that, to me, it captures, like, the tone of the album. Like it sets it like, okay, this is where we're going with it. And then you build off of that and you just take it to other levels, you know? Um, capturing that vibe, was that something that you really set out to do with it? Absolutely, 110%. Oh. Um, and I, you know, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's one of those moments where, you know, creativity is the art of hiding your sources. Uh -huh. I started thinking about um, I started thinking about this being my last album and I said I had this idea I want to do like the birth that type of song like I started seeing how, how it would begin I, I literally went to Jay-Z the Black Album mm. and I said I'm going to model I'm going to model this record after Jay-Z although that didn't end up being his last record right. it was supposed to be right. and it was like such a, mo a moment in his career I mean front to back fire ass album yeah and so if you look at that album it of the of the like production and rap styles of that day it has mm -hmm. all of it it has like the Pharrell styles the Timberland styles the Just Blaze style like it has everything yeah if you listen to my record it has everything it has all the raps like the the, the hot styles of today you know without right. compromising the lyrics or the or the content and then if you listen to how he begins that record, go listen to it. Yeah. And you'll see, and then you'll say, oh shoot, it's like the birth. It's, I did it intentionally, like, as to pay homage to my favorite Jay-Z record, and Jay-Z's one of my all-time favorite rappers, like, easily. And um, I just yeah. felt like that was his moment. Like, he's made good stuff since then, and great stuff. But that, to me, was like his, like, moment. This is the you know? December 4th record. Real, exactly, yeah. December 4th. Yep. So, and, and keep it real with you, bro. Mm -hmm. If this record blows up, I'm going to follow the, 
black album pattern. You ain't gonna see it hooked with black album <laughs> retirement shit. Yeah. You pay me? Yeah. Pay me and I'll do it. I don't give a <laughs> shit. I'll keep making records till I'm freaking 60, 70, 80 years old if hey, you keep paying me. For sure. So, you know, you know, but it's my last record. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my last. Yeah, I modeled, I modeled it after December 4th. Exactly. Dope. Dope. And that's that's one of my favorite Jay Z records of all time, and uh, I mean not to go off topic or anything. My birthday is December third, so that really just hearing that ver- that song, December fourth, and that Black album in general, probably my favorite uh, Jay Z album of all time. So great. Yeah, yeah. So dope. My last question: If you could describe your legacy in four words, what would they be? You asking me four words only? Man, okay, describe my legacy in four words. Okay, let me think. I would say um, it might end up being five words. Let's see. Passion. Just don't count the two. Passion. Ah, that's too many. Uh, Passion, inspiration. um, Man. Uh, you kind of stopped me. I've had answers for everything. Let's see. Uh, now I feel like my overarching life and the legacy I want is that two is really two words, and okay. that's simply help people. So whatever I do in my life, I, I, I want to be known as a person who helps people. So help. in music, in music, if I if I help you just by making your day better. Mm-hmm. Or I help you by something I say that literally helps you on a record. Great. Same thing with podcasting. Same thing with me coaching people and doing consultations with other artists. You know, musicians pay me to consult them on their records and things right. like that. Like whatever it is I'm doing, the the real legacy, what I want to be known for when I'm gone is he helped people. Two words. So I don't need four words. I just need two. Mm-hmm. Help people. Whatever I can do, whatever I learn, I, I always say like, um, I learn and turn. So I learn whatever I learn, I learn and I turn and give it right away to whoever wants it. Dope. So I, I don't like to I don't like to have limited thinking. Like a lot of people in this rap shit, they're they're um, they hoard. They, they don't think, so they don't help people. Right. Or if they do, they only do it when it benefits them, or they only do it because they see the person they're helping as valuable or like big enough to them right but they don't think about the dude lower than them or the dude right next to them a lot of times because they're competition i wouldn't help them because they're competition but i don't i don't want to be known for that my legacy i want i want people to say man that dude cookbook yo he was super real bro like he'll give he'll tell you all this trick secrets he'll he'll you know he'll help you like he helped people period so that's really like what, what i you know through all the fun, the funny style, antics, getting slapped with chicken, doing all that stuff, you know, running around doing crazy videos, you know, whatever it is. Ultimately, I hope that like what I do uh, and it's my goal is that it helps people. So two words, bro. Perfect. And in four words, Jason Soto was here. That's what I should have said. Dang it! That's the real answer, man. Four words. It was like it was right there. I was trying to alley oop it for you. Yo, what's up? This is Jay Havana. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Hood Talks. This episode of Hood Talks was produced by Jay Havana and DJ EFN. Our theme music is produced by Big Drain. It's titled Home Team, which you can hear on DJ EFN's album, Another Time. Be sure to check out more episodes of Hood Talks, available on all digital platforms and crazyhood.com. The shit's worth hearing. Jason Soto Was Here is available on all digital platforms, and you can stream it here on crazyhood.com. Now let's check out the second single from the album, titled Philosophy. Bitch, I'm so cold, roll so low to my own show. Jason Soto was here, take a photo with a GoPro. I don't go slow, virtual, so I'm playing like Polo with a dope flow. Got a boat load of dope, make it rain like a snow globe. It's a slow growth, do you know both? My logo and all of my promo. I strive for the gold, rise to occasions and ride on my foes. Ride for my bros and I let it all go. Give it my all, screaming, give me some more. Not average like Joe, I grab for the cabbage and manage to land on my toes. Always a savage, I manhandle pose. Poetry knows not to fuck with the kids, he's a pro. Season vets, brings into action whenever he sees a threat. MCs get dead, east to west. Never leaves his fans with they need some met. We can tense, sound like a cheap cassette. Type of shit that we condemn. We defend our position to bring in a million and be content. Fuck with my philosophy. Everything I do, I do it better than the rest of them. So walk with me, no stopping me. Everyone that see me, then believe I'll be the next one. So walk with me, you often see. Everywhere I go, they always show me I affected them. So walk with my philosophy. I'm at the crib with my family making many meals on a Bluetooth with two suits from YouTube making plenty deals. Life goals, I like those. I might grow and self master, sell assets, build massive wealth. I'm on the forefront of something phenomenal, hurdling all of my obstacles in this metropolis. It is illogical that at my age I am this damn unstoppable. Anything's possible. With my philosophy, everything I do, I do it better than the rest of them. So walk with me, no stopping me. Everyone that see me, then believe I'll be the next one. So walk with me. Everywhere I go, they always show me I affected them. So walk with my philosophy. Yo. Yo, check this shit out right here. I've been in this since I was a kid. You should be witness. This is a masterclass on business. Keep your business, give this rich shit some ambitious. Move with swiftness, lift your bank account to thickness. Please be viciously ambitious with this. I've been in this since I was a kid. You should be witness. This is a masterclass on business. Keep your business. This business is vicious with swiftness. Please lift up our spirits with this hit and courage. them all. Opera, son? Was that opera? Oh my god, son. It's too much.